0: Welcome, everyone, to MICTA Radio, sponsored by MICTA, a national nonprofit organization working to make telecommunication services affordable to our members. I'm your host, John Tanner, and on today's show, we will be asking these questions How safe are your facilities and infrastructures? Do you have a viable plan or strategy? When and if a catastrophic event occurs, such as uh, active shooter, sabotage, terrorism, biological or chemical threats? How do you keep your systems fully functional if such an event occurs? And are you ready for these internal or external threats? Today, we're going to talk with some experts on why and how you should evaluate your organization's vulnerability. To these types of attacks. We have with us today Mr. Breck, Will Susan, and Andy Dorman, and we are going to talk specifically today about educational organizations and institutions and the issues they need to examine and plan for in order to provide a good security plan. Let's start off, gentlemen. First of all, welcome to the show. We'd like to start off by getting some biographical information from each of you, particularly your work experiences, and and we can start there. Let's start with you, Breck.
1: Thank you, John. Appreciate being here today. I'm a veteran of the United States Air Force. 20 years there doing anti-terrorism force protection as well as facility maintenance. And since I've been retired, I've been working with strategic management associates as well as my own small engineering firm.
2: Great. And you, Andy, Again, thank you for having us here today, uh, John. Uh, My background is I, uh, after service in the Marine Corps, I uh, have been a, had been a special agent in the Federal Bureau of Investigation for over 29 years. I worked uh, areas of criminal, counterintelligence, and uh, terrorism. I've uh, worked major cases both domestically and overseas. And for over 20 years, I had an ancillary duty as a uh, special agent bomb technician. Subsequent to retirement from the FBI, I've been involved in training and some research, particularly in the areas of explosives and terrorism.
0: Well, great. I'm glad that both of you are with us today to talk about this subject. Speaking of which, let's try to define so our listeners can understand specifically what we are talking about. In the opening, I mentioned uh, catastrophic events, active shooters, sabotage, terrorism is what we're talking about what it is you do in these situations, or is it strictly the vulnerability of where you work? Is is there a distinction to be made here about what we're going to be talking about? Breck?
1: Yes, there is a distinction. The key element here is how do you better prepare when something does happen that your reactions are, are safe and effective? So, I mean, we're, we're talking about How how would we make educational facilities, one, harder for the bad guy to get into and attack people? And two, are their plans and procedures well ensconced that the kids know them, the parents know them, and the teachers execute flawlessly towards getting kids safe?
0: Right. Andrew, do you have some feelings about that?
2: Uh, Yeah. Yes, I do. Uh, What we're talking about, I think, uh, more generically here is, and I agree with uh, Breck that uh, these uh, specific uh, incidents must be identified, but we need to talk about uh, vulnerabilities generally. Active shooter is only one issue, although arguably the most devastating, but vulnerabilities can also be, uh, we talked about internal and external, but theft, intimidation, illegal drugs, gangs. These are all part of the things that cause a school to be less effective in its educational uh, endeavors.
0: You know, w- before we get into the specifics about the plan and, and how you prepare yourselves for this vulnerability, I, I did some research on the internet and I, I know that both of you do some uh, presentations to various groups uh, uh, and talk about the role that you play in helping organizations develop these plans. And I'm curious, what uh, what do you talk about in, in these presentations, and, and what groups are you talking to, Breck?
1: Well, sir, I speak pretty much to anybody who will listen. speak a lot to the marketplace, and but professionally, I speak with the, uh, the Infrastructure Security Partnership. It's an organization that was set up after 9-11, to look at all the critical infrastructure streams throughout the this country, and in the better ways, one to help prevent a terrorist attack, but two, how to make how to make things more resilient in the ability to bounce back, to absorb the hit, and to be able to get back to normal operations as soon as possible. I just participated in a forum on Thursday talked about critical infrastructure and the various regions and characterizing the regions of the country next week i'm going down to the critical infrastructure symposium in charleston and doing a small presentation there as well
0: so so breck these uh, there are organizations that are concerned about this issue or or they wouldn't be attending these kinds of presentations is that what you're finding that is true. That is true. The Society of
1: American Military Engineers is very big in in conducting workshops regarding anti-terrorism force protection and resilience. TISP is now a council of the Society of American Military Engineers. Previously, the American Society of Civil Engineers wasn't was party to TISP. Also, ASIS International is a company that provides credentials in Anti-terrorism force protection security
0: postures and and Andy, do you find that is your experience as well out there?
2: Yeah, I, I find uh, as as Breck said that uh, there are a lot of interested groups. They range from and, and these just a, a sampling, but uh, particularly law enforcement, first responders, but also civic groups have an interest, and and there are educational forums. Now we try to uh, tailor our presentations somewhat to a specific group, for example, a law enforcement group might get more detailed or technical information than a civic group, but um, and we would include such things as some historical information, some statistics and question and answer, but we try to keep it general. And the reason we try to keep it general is because we're trying to give an overview and to uh, identify problems without going into too many specifics. We want to keep it interesting, and we don't want to keep it so centered that we don't, uh, we're not able to give the overview that we're trying to present.
0: This question is for both of you, but, Andy, I'd like you to respond first. What is the most common misconception people have about their their safety and vulnerability?
2: I, I think it, it, it's the obvious one that it, it won't happen here. Uh, the... Uh, some of the responses are I've worked or attended a specific school for X number of years we've never had a problem and we don't expect to everybody here is a good person Um, the uh, school itself is safe and the neighborhood is safe so the chance is that nothing will happen and if it does happen help will arrive in a timely manner which statistics show is not likely
0: so, Breck, how do you counteract that that uh, that feeling of that? Well, was it won't happen here, and then everybody here is a nice person? How how do you deal with that? The primary
1: way is to make sure that the facility has various features on it, like cameras, like a bollards around the perimeter, physical security measures that a bad guy. and they are, people are looking at all those quaint little quiet schools to see if there's a target of opportunity there. So the harder a facility looks, the more likely that we, one, will disrupt the planning process, and two, that somebody will go somewhere else. The trouble with my measure of, of determining success is essentially nothing happens. So from a, nothing bad happens in particular. So the taxpayers the people who are funding school improvements how do you how do you know that the work that we're doing has been effective from a counterpoint if you have an, a litigation when something does go wrong, that can be very very expensive
0: okay we're going to get into more specifics, but we're going to take a break right now and when we come back we're really going to ask our guests what we should be doing to make our facilities safer and more secure, but more importantly, where do we start? Back in a moment. Strategic Management Associates offers a full-service human, technical, and environmental threat vulnerability assessment to mitigate your risks and ensure operational resiliency. This will help to create confidence among administrative staff, elected officials, faculty, students, and the community at large. You need to think total cost of ownership when evaluating your needs or a vulnerability assessment. The cost of strategic management services plus the investment costs in implementing any of the capital improvements suggested could be less costly than one litigation claim. You need to plan for the unthinkable. Not the possibility, but the probability those events that have historically occurred in your own neighborhood. Utilizing the customer's value system, Strategic Management Associates can help ensure a positive environment through conducting a cost-benefit analysis, policy creation, revision, and training. Contact Strategic Management Associates and talk with them to learn how they can help you with a vulnerability assessment of your organization. Go to the mctetech.org website to get more information. Welcome back. Today we are talking about how to protect your institutions from both internal and external threats. And how do you know your security plan is an effective one? And what should a quality security plan look like? And I think now is a really a good time to talk about that. Uh, some of our uh, members from our MICTA organizations may already have security plans or some are thinking about it. So I'd like to begin t- to talk about when when an organization is looking at a security plan, where is it that they begin? Uh, we have several, a diverse membership in MICTA, higher ed, K-12, et cetera. But I'd like to ask both of you what do you see are the major issues that these institutions need to address to before they begin developing these security plans? And uh, Andrew, can we start with you? Certainly.
2: Uh, I'd like to address uh, three issues, actually. One we discussed earlier, <clears throat> which is mindset and the idea that it won't happen here. Uh, and there is a small, only a small percentage that something could happen. However, preparation is about making sure that that percentage doesn't occur at all. Uh, Interest climbs always after an event and then it gradually diminishes. There's always lots of money available after an event, but then that diminishes as well. So the key here is awareness and to fight apathy. I just mentioned money. Everyone only realizes that the uh, amount of money in a budget is only so large. So there has to be an understanding and a justification to allocate those resources. A school board or a college or an educational institution is going to need real reasons to spend their money. They, uh, it, it has to be justified not only to uh, the school but to the parents or in some cases the Board of Governors. The third part that we need to discuss is continuous participation and preparation. Some institutions institutions focus on large events, active shooter, bomb threats, actual bombings, when in fact there are day-to-day issues that affect the learning environment. And we discussed some of those earlier, theft, gangs, narcotics, intimidation in um, public schools, and people need to realize that in times of limited budgets, that a good plan, properly implemented, actually enhances safety and saves money. Thanks, Andy. Breck,
0: what what do you feel are important issues that uh, an organization should address before they get into this development of a security plan? The
1: critical elements is Andy mentioned. I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I would drill down a little further on the motivation. What are we trying to protect against? And understanding the various threats that are out there, and that are specific to their to their town. People would say that terrorist threats are a very low priority, and an an active shooter is a lower threat compared to the tornadoes here in the Midwest or hurricanes on the East Coast, or the monsoon rains in the wintertime on the West Coast. But weather is different than dealing with people attacking. So characterizing the threat, and I'll make that plural, characterizing the threats, is the critical element towards allocating and identifying the right
0: priority. When we talked earlier, we kind of came into a general consensus that uh, when talking about a security plan, that there are really five major steps in developing a security plan. And I'd like to go through each of those steps individually with both of you and, and get your opinion on that and, and what you think about it. The step one is evaluation of school or of the health agency. But in this case, we're talking about schools and if they have safe areas. Uh, Breck, do you want to start the conversation on that? What What does step one, what does that entail, evaluation of the school. Evaluation of the school looks at the behavior of the day-to-day operation.
1: You look at the the start of the school day, you get a trickle of people that come in in the mornings that may meet beforehand with certain teachers, but small one-on-one, one-on-two type of meetings. But then you get this massive crush of people walking into the facility. How do you identify bad guys walking in amongst the people? And in a small community, you should notice when somebody is out of place. So evaluating the flow of people into and out of the building. So once, you, once you're through the morning crush, you can lock the doors. And nobody gets in or out without being vetted. And so you have one central location. I would add in there that you need a place that for somebody that's still welcoming, but nobody gets past the, that welcome point without being thoroughly checked that they have a reason to be there and that they are not a threat and that the person doing the, check, the checking is
2: protected.
0: Okay, Andy, what do you see are those things that need to happen in step one evaluation of the school?
2: Well, uh, to continue with the Breck said it's, it's critical to be able to evaluate people, but, uh, and, and, and to, uh, not to, uh, step further, but, uh, Breck has a, a significant specialty and experience in evaluating the physical plant itself, how it's built, how it's laid out, how it can be used to channel, uh, and develop those types of, uh, protections, gates, uh, doorways that uh, prevent those that are unauthorized from entering. And we can start with that even at the outer edge of the uh, uh, property and the open area between the property and the building itself where the, say, school buses would enter. So um, the key here is to use the physical plan as it exists, or even better if uh, we're involved in initial construction, to... Uh, develop a plan in how to uh, channel or to direct people to their appropriate locations, and that's uh, that's part of the initial evaluation of the uh, the property as well as the way the flow of the school is.
0: Okay, thank you. In step two in a security plan was to really to have an analysis of what is going on currently, whether it's you call it a security plan or, or some kind of policy or whatever. The, uh, that analysis is part of the second step. Andy, what are the elements that go into that?
2: The first thing that we would do is we would review the security plan itself, if one exists, We'd see if it was up to date, see if there's any changes. Uh, For example, there might be some new construction or area of improvements in a school that the uh, plan has not uh, been updated to reflect. We look for strengths. We look for weaknesses. We look for places that needed to be added or deleted. And the most important thing is, does the security plan actually reflect the circumstances that we have identified in part one of the school?
0: And and Breck, what can you add to that? I think it's... As Andy was saying, we
1: need to examine the, the through points. So, how the traffic points, who goes where into and out of the building. Once you're inside the building envelope, you can go, you can move freely. And we want to maintain that ability. But it's where you meet the outer circle or the building envelope itself where we have to have the squelch points and make sure that nobody opens a back door and leaves it propped open, the comfort of the building needs to be maintained. So nobody is has the idea that they can just prop open a door because it's too hot inside or people tend to be the ones that frustrate the security plan most of all. So and I'll go back to one one more thing about say the entry point. If a person is just sitting at a desk with a sign in log and giving name tags to people, is that person protected? I've got a a concerned parent here in Lincoln who asked me what's to prevent a guy from walking up with a silencer on his gun and shooting that person and then turning to his left or right and shooting anybody else who might've witnessed it. Now who's calling the alarm? I mean, everything in, in, in the plans that we've seen is basically predicated on something goes down, the authorities are called. Well, in those several seconds to minutes, where somebody might not realize that there's a problem. That's just bonus time for a bad guy.
0: Right. Well, you know, uh, Brack, that leads nicely into step three of the five steps that we're talking about because it has to do with people. Uh, Step three, how are your faculty and staff from the organization and administrators, generally the people that you have working in this organization and institution, how are they treated in this plan? Are they prepared? Uh, do they have the proper things that they need to know and understand and tools? They're just generally how they're addressed in the plan. Breck, do you want to talk about step three?
1: The teachers have have the charge of, may, of educating the kids. They have their teaching plans that they execute every day. You have the administrators that are charged with taking care of the students. But then they also look at protection. If you examine what to do in a fire alarm, that's different than what to do should there be a tornado warning. It's different than what there should be doing if there if somebody comes in with weaponry and starts shooting up the place. That's different than should there be a bomb threat. So kids, my kids have come home and said, yeah we had lockdown today, we practiced that. It's like okay what did you learn? Well, they just spent time in their classroom. It's the, the mindset of how do you switch from teaching to responding to an emergency and the, maybe the right checklist, certainly the mental acuity to be able to flip that proverbial switch.
0: Good. Andrew, what are your your thoughts on step three? Well, I, I, uh,
2: I agree with everything that Breck has said. And I think the key there is uh, a training, not only uh, training in what the security plan would be, but also in, uh, and this is a key point that Breck identified, with situational awareness or being alert to surroundings. Sometimes we can get so focused on what we're doing that we're not aware of what's going on around us. And we need to train the uh, staff and the teachers in the classrooms to be aware of their surroundings so that they may be able to respond more quickly to uh, a uh, catastrophic event. Uh, If you'll look at uh, the FBI report on shootings from 2000 to 2013, they point out that uh, most of the shootings or the events were over active shooting events were over in less than five minutes and uh, 40% of them were over in less than two minutes. So the response will probably be most likely on the teachers in the classroom or the administrators that are at the scene at the time. Uh, So this awareness is is critical and that's part of the training that is built into a security plan.
0: Step four is pretty straightforward, it seems, and that's write the security plan. Are there important elements uh, that should be considered when doing that? Andrew?
2: Uh, Yes. I think the first part of the key of of, uh, the plan is you need to get buy-in for the plan because if it's something that's forced down from on high, then it will be treated that way. If the faculty, the staff, and even the students understand why the plan is necessary and have some buy-in and some input into the plan, they will be more likely to follow it and they will. And it will be other than just a two inch thick pile of paper that sits on a desk somewhere that never gets opened. It's a critical that once the plan is being written or to write or rewrite the plan, that the people who are actually gonna have to use it are not only aware of it, but actually believe in it and are willing to adopt it and brett your thoughts
1: i think it's important that the plan is going to drive all sorts of other requirements you put cameras on the side of a building you're going to make make sure that they're one they're maintained that they're operating and that they work i mean there's a case that's happening in the los angeles area in culver city in particular where they had cameras on the side of the building but they allowed them to not work a lady was assaulted by a, a young man, and now they're going through litigation as to why the school allowed the cameras to fall into disrepair. You look at um, these type type of events, infrastructure that's put in place in these security plans needs to be maintained, operation should be flawless. You don't want people to frustrate the, the elements that you set up in your security plan. You want to make sure that they actually work. So putting in a, putting in a welcome center that the bad guy can't get through, Put, making sure that in the mornings and the afternoons when you've got the max, mass influx of people or the exodus of people, that anybody who shouldn't be there doesn't get in.
0: The final step, again pretty straightforward, is simply test the plan. Breck, what does that include when you're testing the plan?
1: Testing the plan is actually running exercises, trying to keep trying to ingeniously frustrate the setup that you've got. And also basically to make sure that people, the people who the actors in the security plan are doing what they need to be doing. And in some cases, you practice
2: often so that your response is more automatic.
0: Andrew, would you agree?
2: Yes, I would agree. In in particular, I'd I'd, uh, focus on that last comment in that uh, once you have the test of the plan, part of that will include updating the the step four when you discover that some of the things that you wrote in there might not be as effective as you thought. Um, It also would include... um, Periodic reviews and training uh, and, and Breck pointed out that uh, fire drills are, they've been going on for at least 80 years and it's more than once a year. I think that uh, the plan should be also tested with uh, staff, with faculty and the full school so that everyone has an idea of what to expect. Part of this will also include reviews of budgets, and potentially new construction, uh, as a result of what's learned once the plan has been tested.
0: I would Great. like to add some, something. Go ahead, go ahead, Breck. Um, you,
1: you've got children involved here, of various ages. So if you try to cram 80 kids into a small bathroom, you need to know that, that whether that's going to work or not. Say in a in a fire drill or a excuse me a tornado drill, the kids have to be educated in, okay, we're going to do this today, we're going to do that today, we're going to shelter in place today, but to make sure that what you write functionally works.
0: Well, I'd like to thank both of you, Brack, Will, Susan, and Andrew Dorman for being our guests today for a really, really very informative program. And if you want to learn more about this issue or about the MICTA product, you can go to mictatech.org and click on product and services tab and there there you will see strategic management associates that will have all this information there for you to, to review. We hope that you have found this information helpful today as you continue to keep updating yourself on current technology trends and issues. Be sure to come back again for more MICTA radio episodes. Bye for now.
1: This program has been presented by MICTA. MCTA. MCTA technology solutions for members nationwide.